in to score Merrifield. Kiermaier's in to score. Springer's coming down the line. He wants to score. It's an inside the Parker for George Springer. Berrios on the move. Pitch out in chain. Blocked by Berrios. Blocked by Armstead. Look at him dive. Look at him score. David sliding it to Bouchard. He gets it back. A pass over. And a Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Oh, and a good Thursday morning to you, man. The week is just flying by again, isn't it? Uh, Oilers with a big uh, 2-1 victory in overtime last night. Uh, So that was a good day to kind of sandwich in the days of the week. Uh, Connor McDavid, of course, with the overtime winner. Nice pass by Evan Bouchard and uh, McDavid with a little magic as he does so often in overtime and beating Casey DeSmith with a beautiful backhand move gives the Oilers their first overtime win of the preseason. And when you look to Connor McDavid's uh, face for the reaction, maybe the first thing that you kind of got was, oh, man, the preseason is too long let's get on with things and that's kind of the the sentiment when you talk to so many people uh eight games in the preseason uh is 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 a grind it's just goes on and on and on and you could kind of just see and you and then you hear the comments for guys after and you you know ryan nugent hopkins was on the uh the sportsnet feed and saying yeah you know well we still have to find polish in our game yada yada but you know it is long and we want to kind of get things on uh, get the season going um a lot of takeaways, though, in Game 3. Uh, ben Gleason had a very strong game on the blue line, and that's usually an indication when he gets requests for a post-game interview. Uh, ben Gleason played uh, over 19 minutes, uh, showed some poise on the blue line. Uh, Marcus Niemelin had a strong game as well, uh, had uh, five hits, was uh, physical, I guess, uh, when he had to be again. Temper, enthusiasm, temper, um what you see because uh it is game three of eight and uh it's a long long preseason if you got a text to talk about the oilers last night shoot us off one one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty we have a jam packed show for you once again uh just to touch on our early guest as we like to do uh, early is uh, uh, Taylor Haas from uh, Pittsburgh Sports. We'll talk a little bit of Pittsburgh Penguins in the first hour here uh, just to let you know who's coming up early on in this first hour. Uh, Last night there were a lot of interchangeable parts when you talked about the Oilers penalty kill and there were there were a lot of penalties last night. There were 10 penalties total by both teams. The Oilers uh, ended up going 0 for 4 in the power play. Uh, Canucks went 1 for 6, the uh, only goal they scored, but that was a shot from Quinn Hughes that went off of Evan Bouchard in front. Other than that, the the Oilers uh, didn't give up a whole lot last night. Um, but you did see a lot of interchangeable parts on the penalty kill. Uh, one key note when uh, the Oilers were down five on three early, um, Evan Bouchard took a, a cross-checking penalty to uh, uh, Elias uh, Pedersen. Uh, so the Oilers were down five on three for 20 seconds. Uh, key face-off uh, uh, kind of a, a win. It was, wasn't a clean win, but everything uh, by, uh, uh, by Brandon Sutter. Basically killed off the five on three. 
Um, so that's a big, big, big play by uh, by Brandon Sutter early on, just to kind of clear the zone, turn it into a five on four for the rest of the uh, uh, minute and forty seconds. Um, back to Ben Gleason, played nineteen minutes, sixteen seconds, had a great chance uh, late in the game, but he will provide depth on this blue line. Uh, I there is no question that Ben Gleason is going to see some games this year. Um, when you look at the organizational depth. You would think that Gleason right now and Marcus Niemalainen are eight and nine. That's where they are. And the way things are going with Philip Broberg, where he has to kind of show something a little bit more here uh, moving forward, um, it gives the organization options, and that's all you want. Uh, let's bring in the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, our producer. Uh, did you get a chance? Uh, finally, a game was on TV, you know, uh, you know that we could see here, not blacked out unless you got the package early and things like that. But uh, did you have a chance to kind of have a gander at the game last night? I, I had a bit of a gander at it. I didn't watch the whole thing uh, start to finish. I'm not going to lie. I was watching the Blue Jays um, <laughs> once again disappoint me. Yeah. Uh, it was weird. I'd been on this streak of not watching the Jays, and they were winning, and then I didn't watch game one. They lose. So I was like, okay, I'm good to jump back in here, hopefully get ready for the playoff run. But another disappointing loss. So, no, I, I, I watched parts of the Oilers game and then saw the overtime winner as well, which, as you said right off the top, I mean, that's just Connor McDavid being <laughs> Connor McDavid. No, uh, no need for extra unnecessary hockey, as we uh, you talked about the preseason and the length of it. <laughs> So Connor is taking care of business uh, nice and briefly, which was great. Allowed me to get to bed at a decent time, which very important when we got these early mornings. So thank mm. you, Connor McDavid. Yes, it was a quick one, uh, less than a minute in. So didn't want to play too much longer. And really the game was, uh, it went quite quickly despite the 10 penalties. Um, actually ran into an old buddy, uh, Brad Meyer, who was up in the, uh, on the, in the uh, press box. Brad Meyer, long time uh, NHL official and junior official. Now he's working... Uh, kind of overseeing uh, officials um, in not only the NHL but the WHL as well. Hadn't seen Brad for a number of years, so kind of caught up with him. And uh, he's a, he's a guy that we'll have on our show here, Brandon, because offers that unique perspective of uh, you know how the game is called, where you know where it's going, uh, the changes. Uh, things like that. So we'll be uh, bringing Brad Meyer on uh, in the not too distant future. Stuart Skinner. Pretty solid in goal. Uh, the the one that went in went off of uh, Evan Bouchard, as mentioned. Skinner had a couple of uh, good saves. Uh, the one on, I think Andre Kuzmenko was maybe his best. Kuzmenko, that was in the second period, Went kind of went around Bouchard. Um, had a sharp angle attempt, but uh, Skinner was square to the shooter. And then in the third period, there were a couple of uh, uh, stops that uh, Skinner was forced to make on Teddy Bluger. So... Um, Skinner, uh, full marks, and after the game, Skinner was interviewed, and we're going to get to these comments. Uh, Jason Greger was down there uh, doing some post-game and stuff. Uh, we'll get to these comments uh, in the 7.40 hour uh, regarding the uh, the play of last night and uh, Stuart Skinner, Ben Gleason, uh, and then we'll probably hear from Jay Woodcroft early or later in the show. Uh, our roll call, checking in as usual, Stair Farmer. Uh, Brandon Sutter on our text line, one 401 Stair Farmer says, Brandon Sutter has looked very good. Might be the cheap bottom forward the Oilers need to strengthen the bottom six yeah I think uh, for a guy that hasn't played and hasn't been uh, on skates for all that matter uh, for a couple of seasons Brandon Sutter's looked uh, very good so far in camp and uh, in the preseason games 
that he has played. Uh, 1-833-401-1440 is our text line. Uh, as mentioned, Taylor Hawes, DK, Pittsburgh Sports, will join us at 720. If you didn't hear the comments uh, earlier in the week uh, in an article from NHL.com's Mike Zeisberger, Sidney Crosby said he wouldn't be shocked, wouldn't be surprised if... Connor McDavid racked up 170 points this year. That's a lot of points, but, you know, he had uh, over 150 last year. Uh, have to stay healthy, obviously, but if there's anyone can do it in this day and age of the NHL, it is uh, number 97. Um, we'll have some open time at 740. Then our uh, Thursday guest, and he brings it every Thursday, Ladislav Schmid, a former Oiler, former Flame, We'll co-host with us from 8 to 10. And, uh, you know, we've always got a really busy, that's just how the schedule works, really busy hockey hour from 8 to 9 on Thursdays because uh, Laddie comes in, uh, does a quick little spiel. Then uh, we have uh, Mark Spector on the mark for Booster Juice at 8. Frank Saravelli, uh, the Daily Face-Off Show, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter at 8.20. Now, Frank was just in town. Uh, when we talked to him on Tuesday, he was in uh, Vancouver, uh, making his way out west, doing a kind of a little, uh, you know, western training camp uh, road trip to do some interviews. He uh, had a sit down with Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. So we will uh, touch base with Frank and uh, get his thoughts on uh, a number of things. Uh, at nine o'clock, uh, Zach Daly. McEwen Griffin's men's hockey coach. The season gets underway. Here we go. Uh, Canada West, U Sports Hockey. Um, it's been, it's, a, it's hard, you know, when you think about the, the prominence, the prestige, the history of the Alberta Golden Bears hockey team. Well, McEwen comes in from ACAC and tries to build a program, has to build a program, wants to build a program, have a great facility down at the downtown community arena. Dressing rooms are great, top-notch. Um, the facility's outstanding. It's modern. It's new. And now they have to try to get on pace, not only with the Bears, but everyone in Canada West. So we will check in with um, Zach Daly, McEwen, Griffin's men's hockey coach, at 9 o'clock. Man, oh, man, here we go. Ryder Cup uh, ready to rock and roll over in Spain. Um, Keith Stewart, Sports Illustrated Golf and the Sporting News. Uh, Duke, did you line this one up or was that? Uh, no, this one was... comes courtesy of our uh, executive producer, Brad Slater. He says uh, Keith is the first and last word when it comes to golf. And uh, Keith not only doing a lot of writing for a number of different publications, mm-hmm. including the two you just mentioned, but he also runs his own site uh, talking a lot about betting on golf called uh, Read the Line, I believe it's called. So it uh, be interesting to get a little bit of a take on that uh, as well heading into the Ryder Cup weekend. How how does that kind of work? I mean, we I, I'm not familiar with it. You, you and I, we bet on football and maybe something else here and there, but I don't, I've never placed a bet really. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I did have a bet on golf years ago. You're going to like this one too. Uh, so go ahead. How, how does that how does that kind of work with well, that? I'm really interested to hear what he has to say about betting on the Ryder Cup because that's something I've never done either. Um, to see kind of probably mm-hmm. depending on your book and and what uh, what they offer, but if you can bet on individual matchups or, or twosomes or, mm-hmm. or who scores more points in the match. Things like that, I, ah. I would think, might be out there. Okay. Um, in a traditional just golf tournament weekend, you know, you can bet on a, an outright winner, yeah. top five finishes, top X finishes. But the Ryder Cup is such a different dynamic that uh, I'm really curious to see what Keith has to say about mm-hmm. um, this weekend and uh, where he 
can maybe uh, put a little money down if you're able. Yeah, that's what it kind of meant. I, not on on nor, normal golf, a guy has placed a bet. And the, the quick story, I, I think we told it with when Terry Evans came in here. Uh, remember, he and I went to the Masters uh, when Tiger Woods made the shot on 16. Well, I had a a thousand dollar Vegas ticket for Chris DeMarco to win. And DeMarco ended up losing to Tiger in a playoff. Had a, on sixteen there, had a straight up, up uh, uphill putt for birdie, and then Tiger actually made birdie. And it was a you know we everyone there thought it was a a, a two two shot swing minimum, but uh, so that'll be interesting to talk. Uh, uh, just go, kind of go off the Ryder Cup path a little bit with uh, Keith Stewart from uh, Sports Illustrated Golf and Sporting News. Uh, yesterday I was down at Oilers and uh, did an interview with James Hamblin, local product. And, I mean, that was one of the feel-good stories last year when Hamblin got called up, Tyler Benson was here, Stuart Skinner was here. Three guys off the Southside Athletic Club Bantam hockey team playing for their hometown Oilers, uh, 10 years later, basically, uh, they were so proud about that. And, um, I mean, the whole town was proud and all their coaches were proud. We ended up talking to, all, you know, like uh, Taylor Harnett was uh, coaching back then, uh, 10 years ago. Now, uh, he, I think he's in Wayway or was in Wayway last year. I'm not even sure if he's still there, but um, all the coaches were just so happy. Teammates were happy. Uh, Matt Berlin was on that team, went on to the Golden Bears, things like that. So uh, we will uh, uh, have that interview for you at 940. Uh, tonight's Thursday Nighter, Duke. Green Bay, Detroit. The frozen tundra. Well, it won't really be frozen yet, will it? Uh, I hope still not. Pretty still, still pretty good weather. Uh, Detroit and Green Bay. A lot of people seem to be liking the Lions in this one. Don't know why. Do you like the Lions or do you like Green Bay? I think I like the Lions. I I've just been in on the Lions since Dan Campbell took over as coach. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it on the show. You know yeah. how he he just can really get a team going and. The Lions have assembled themselves a pretty nice little arsenal of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense still needs a little bit of work, but Aiden Hutchinson, game wrecker um, on the D-line. And the Packers looked uh, much worse last week than they did in weeks one and two, but uh, fourth quarter comeback still still secured the win for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I haven't checked out all the, the lines on the game and stuff, whether it be point totals or, uh, or spreads, but I'm thinking I like the Lions, and I got a couple uh, fantasy players uh, across the board in action tonight, too. Who, so. who do you got going tonight? Must be, well, you must have the usual suspects. Aaron Jones, how's he doing? Is he? I think he's he looking like good. he's going yeah. to play, yeah. and then Christian Watson is, uh, I think, still listed as questionable, but there was optimism. Uh, about it earlier in the week. I will, uh, I'll do some digging here first thing this morning and see if we can uh, wrangle up a little more um, yeah. solid information on Jordan, that. Jordan Love has been okay. Yeah, uh, for Romeo, the most part good, yeah. like I said, except for the three first three quarters last week. But Romeo that, Dobbs has been okay. Um, uh, and their tight end, Luke Musgrave, he's been a, he was a popular uh, waiver wire pickup this week. The tight end position so volatile, and you're kind of always searching for the next breakout candidate. I think him and uh, Donald Parham Jr. on Connor Halley's Chargers were, <laughs> were pretty popular um, targets on the waiver wire this week. I'm sick of Halley's Chargers already, too. Uh, <laughs> and then, you, well, so you got two top notch rookie tight ends, maybe the future of the tight end position. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With Sam Laporta going with Detroit tonight, too. So uh, we'll touch on that. Pete Doherty, uh, Green Bay Gazette uh, set up tonight's uh, um, Thursday night football matchup to kick off week four in the NFL. When we come back, we will check in with Taylor Haas, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Talk a little penguins on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. 
All right, welcome back to the big program. Oilers with a 2-1 overtime victory last night over the Vancouver Canucks. Connor McDavid, the overtime winner. Tonight in the NHL, the Pittsburgh Penguins are home to the Buffalo Sabres. And that is why we uh, welcome in from Pittsburgh in DK Sports, uh, Taylor Hawes. Taylor, uh, good morning. Uh, Welcome to Sports 1440. How are you today? Good morning. I'm good. Thanks for thanks for having me. Oh, looking forward to this uh, chit chat. I guess we should probably start off the ice. It's been just a crazy off season uh, for the Penguins off the ice with what happened between uh, Ron Hextall, Brian Burke in the in the past little bit, and then uh, you know then bringing in uh, Kyle Dubas. Uh, just uh, how did things go in Pittsburgh in your view um, off the ice? Yeah, I mean. It's not a surprise at all that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke got the door in the offseason, not just, I mean, missing the playoffs for the first time since Sidney Crosby's rookie year. Um, something had to happen. And they definitely got their guy in Kyle Dubas. Uh, and, I mean, the moves he'd made so far, overhauling the roster, but then also just, like, the hockey operations department and so many new hires, uh, really in all areas. It's, it's definitely a new-look team going into this season, and I think for the better. Taylor Haas from DK Pittsburgh Sports is our guest on 1440. Um, what were some of those other changes that uh, Kyle Dubas made within the organization? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jason Spezza coming in. You have Amanda Kessel coming on um, full-time in an advisory role. It's a lot of those advisory-type roles. Um, we're also seeing more scouting hires, uh, more player development-type hires, um, like a director of goaltending and, and more goaltending um, coaches like down at the lower level, they just hired new coaches before. Now they they hired two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in particular the the development side and, and guys to work with um, people to work with the players in Wolf's Ferry and Wheeling and the minors, um, which is big because I mean the, the teams are going to go into a rebuild to figure in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So to have uh, that increased focus on the minor leagues and the prospects is uh, is going to be huge. So on the ice uh, in the early going in, in camp and in preseason, um, any storylines that have uh, kind of uh, caught your eye? Uh, how are things looking so far in the early going with the Penguins? Yeah, I think um, the, the biggest storylines or questions I had going into to camp was uh, where's Carlson going to play and who, who with? And uh, so far he's been with uh, Marcus Patterson to, to start camp, Chris Tangsman with Ryan Graves. I think that's going to be more of a, a 1A, 1B type pairing. Uh, when they brought in Carlson, uh, Kyle Dubas did say you can have one of Chris Letang or Eric Carlson on the ice for 50 minutes. So it, it definitely seems like I have two top pairings um, going into going to the season. We'll see for sure how they, how they handle that tonight. This is the first uh, kind of dress rehearsal type roster in the preseason. Um, and then overhauling the bottom six because – Really, the whole bottom six was a weak spot last mm-hmm. season. Um, they brought in a lot of new pieces. It's almost an entirely new bottom six. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's really one spot up for grabs, I would say. And there's about 10 guys gunning for that spot. So um, that's kind of the, the big storyline so far here. A lot of competition for sure. It happens in every team, every camp, every time uh, at this time of the year for sure. Uh, Taylor Haas, DK Pittsburgh Sports, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440 in Edmonton. So uh, there was, uh, you know, a lot of uh, uh, kind of 
rumblings and a lot of talk in, in Edmonton when um, Sidney Crosby said that uh, he wouldn't be surprised if uh, Connor McDavid could crack 170 points uh, this year. Uh, when Con- when um, Sid said that, kind of what was the reaction in Pittsburgh about that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think there's been too, uh, too big a reaction. Yeah. That. And I feel like Sid's praised McDavid uh, yeah. pretty regularly here the, the last two years. But um, I, I, I know there's, I feel like there's a segment of a Penguins fan base that um, I would, I don't know, I wouldn't say they hate McDavid, but um, <laughs> they don't like, I feel like they, they think he threatens, you know, like Crosby's uh, legacy, I guess you could say, but um, there's definitely a, definitely a segment of the Penguins fan base that doesn't feel too too fondly about him, but I feel like most of them, they just respect him as a player. I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, the, yeah. not, the, but, but the jealousy here is that Sid has the cups, right? So, I mean, he's done yeah, it all. Yeah. So, and he's, you know, Olympic gold and hopefully, you know, Connor and all these guys that haven't played in the Olympics can um, get that chance. Uh, when you touched on, on uh, Eric Carlson, how well was that trade received in the Pittsburgh market? I mean, I just can't believe they pulled it off. I mean, the trade alone, bringing Carlson is huge, but then if you look at the pieces that they moved out, um, two kind of cap dumps in, in Granlin and Petrie that, you know, people thought they wouldn't be able to do at all. Um, and then they do, they do it in the same trade. But, I mean, bringing in Carlson, you're bringing in the defending Norris uh, mm-hmm. trophy-winning defenseman. Uh, that, that speaks for itself. Yeah, the uh, fans were ecstatic. I think a lot of people are really excited about what he can do for the power play. Um, if you just might, like look at the rate of shots he was getting through in San Jose, it's like so far and above what they had in Chris Letang last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jeff Petrie on the second unit, too. It looks like to start, they're going to have both Carlson and Latang on the top unit. That's also comes from missing Gensel um, due to injury. But, I mean, the power play was, has been so streaky for a while. But I think that's, that's something in particular fans are excited about. So with the makeup of that power play, if they go with Latang and Carlson, and then they have, you know, Crosby, Malkin, and then, as you say, Gensel's kind of the uh, piece in there, how else will that work as far as the power play goes, you think? Yeah, so right now um, it's the two defensemen, Sid Malkin, and then right now it's Ricard Raquel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, Gensel's supposed to miss the first five or so games of the season. I think when he comes back, I mean, he's, he's going to go on that top unit. Um, I think maybe if the two defensemen experiment isn't working out, then we see probably Latang go down to the second unit. Um, if not, then maybe Raquel goes down to the second unit. It's... Um, it's, it's pretty early to say again, so it's not uh, practicing with the team yet. So um, there's going to be a, some experimentation when he does come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Haas, DK Pittsburgh Sports, is our guest on 1440. Okay, Taylor, all the players that you mentioned, let's just kind of go down their ages. Sidney Crosby, 36. Evgeny Malkin, 37. Uh, Jake Gensel's young. He's only 28. Uh, but Eric Carlson's 33. Chris Letang is 36. Um, everyone knows and everyone talks about a window. Uh, is that really talked about amongst this group or what's the thought process there? Uh, I mean, in in Pittsburgh, people talk about, you know, the team getting uh, older, they need to get younger and all that. I think internally, um, I think they know where they are. I don't think they're, if, you, if you're talking about like the core, they know that they only have a couple more years left. Malkin acknowledged you the other day. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I have three. Um, they know that the window is kind of closing for them, but I wouldn't, this, you know, the core, the ones you mentioned, they're not the ones slowing down, um, especially if you look at the years, you know, Sid and Malkin had last year. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't think it's a concern uh, in that way, but they definitely know that um, you know they only have a couple more opportunities to, to win a cup here. Um, you mentioned Evgeny Malkin three more years. He's at uh, six point one million uh, up until twenty six twenty seven. Sidney Crosby is uh, two more years, um, uh, twenty five twenty six. Pardon me for Malkin. So Sidney Crosby has two more years. Has there been any talk? Does he want to play a lot longer past thirty eight, or what do you think? Has there been any rumblings with that? Uh, no, he's been asked about it a few times. He always. Um you know, acknowledges that he just has, you know, however many however many years left on his deal. He doesn't want to think too far ahead of, ahead of that. I I don't think he retires at the end of his deal, and I don't think he's ever going to play for another another team. I think he definitely has a couple more years after that because, I mean, like I said, you look at the year he had last year. He's not he's not slowing down. Um, so I I think we'll see him stick around a little bit more, but it's definitely not something he's he's talking about yet. And uh, Kyle Dubas had even asked about it, mm-hmm. um, you know, early on after he got tired, uh, hired, and he's he's not really thinking that far ahead yet. Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Taylor Haas, DK Pittsburgh Sports, is our guest on Sports fourteen forty. You know, the guy that's kind of held all this together for a few years, despite what uh, happened in management and even uh, you know some rough patches on the ice has been uh, the coach Mike Sullivan um, how has he been able to do this and he has, he's well respected around the league and uh, just what's what's I guess the the um, everyone in Pittsburgh all the fans I mean he's like a Pittsburgh guy kind of thing yeah I know he's Boston etc but he he's in that mold of Pittsburgh you know hard working and things like that um, how has he kind of been able to kind of get through this with the changes off the ice and, and things like that yeah I mean it seems like he has a really good uh, relationship with, with Kyle Dubas um, speaking with both of them over the off season, you know, Mike Sullivan really talked about the the collaboration he has with Dubas and how frequently um, they talk. Which it sounds like maybe he didn't have quite the same relationship with um, Ron Hexall. Uh But yeah, it seems like uh, Dubas is you know very fond of uh, Mike Sullivan. Family Sports Group that took over too. I mean, they they love Mike Sullivan. I know when they took over, they called him one of the you know the greatest hockey minds um, in the game. So I know there was like questions. You know, new management would. Would they want to bring in their own guy? Um, that was never, a, 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 you know, something seriously being considered. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, he's he's done it all as well. Um, wanted to touch base with a couple of. Um Local products with local connections, and uh, that starts in goal with Tristan Jari, of course, was here with the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, with the Memorial Cup champion team. Um, how has he looked so far this year, and how much um, do you feel that uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins' success uh, kind of hangs on his shoulders? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of it depends on his shoulders. Uh, he hasn't played a preseason game yet. It seems like he's going to make his uh, debut tonight. Uh, so far in, in camp, from what we've seen, he's looked good. I think it it really though just depends on how he's feeling health wise. Because I mean, he was hurt. It was really the same issue he dealt with um, all year. He said it he had it in, in camp, and then it kind of plagued him on and off throughout the year. Um, he was just never able to get healthy. So I mean, the biggest question is if he if he's going to be able to pl- play, you know, number one mm-hmm. um, type, you know, type of workload. Uh, but I mean, you look at like the playoffs and, and they lost to the Rangers. If they had, you know, had Jari, they would have made it out of that. Um, yeah. 
they would have made it out of that series. So, yeah, so much of, of their success depends on Jari, if, if, just if he's able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. He's 28 now. He's uh, He's got five more years left on his uh, deal that he signed. So uh, they are really putting all their faith uh, in the goaltender that played here for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Not sure if you, uh, Mark Pezik is on a, a PTO, um, another former Edmonton Oil King and Edmonton product played uh, a lot of years in the, in the NHL already. He's 31 years old, but on a PTO, is there room for, for a guy like Pezik with uh, the structure and, and personnel that they have in, in Pittsburgh? Uh, so I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen with 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 him. Uh, the other two days ago, I believe Mike Sullivan said he's now out longer term with a lower okay. body injury, um, and like you said, he's not he's not signed. Yeah. Um, I think before um, the, this injury, maybe he could have been around as uh, the seventh defenseman. I wouldn't say so much um, in the roster. I, I, I think um, you know really the. The third pairing, or is where anyone's going to break in. Pio Joseph on the left. I don't think anyone's going to mm-hmm. um, replace him from what they currently have. And Chad Ruido on the right. Maybe Pesic would have would have taken his spot. But um, if depending on how exactly longer term that injury is, maybe maybe they find yeah. him eventually. He can be the seventh defenseman, but the injury is really. Um, kind of what hurt him right now. Yeah, we've kind of been hearing hit and miss stuff with this injury and kind of where his availability is uh, right now. But um, where do you think, as we speak with uh, Taylor Haas, DK Pittsburgh Sports, where do you think the Penguins fit in uh, in the Metropolitan Division? Uh, man, tough, tough division when you look at all these uh, teams. Philly's obviously maybe uh, in a in a rebuild mode looking uh, on, in the outside looking in, but... Everyone else, I mean, solid. And Columbus is, you know, they got some players that are coming up too as well. But uh, how do you think uh, Pittsburgh Penguins fit in, in this metropolitan division? Yeah, I, I think they make the playoffs. I think they return to the playoffs. Um, I, I was probably middle of the pack in that playoff group. It, it, it's it's hard because it's, it's going to be so tight in the metropolitan division. Like you said, there's a lot of good teams. Um, I, I definitely think they make the playoffs. Maybe as a wild card, maybe as the third metro team. But um, I definitely think they'll they'll be there this year. Well, we really uh, appreciate your time uh, this morning, Taylor. Uh, enjoy uh, tonight's game and enjoy the rest of the preseason. And uh, we look forward to your stuff uh, as the regular season starts on uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thanks for guesting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Taylor Haas, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, uh, one text coming in from, and we did our roll call this morning, Stair Farmer Duke and the King of Fort Nasty. This is an interesting question. Uh, good morning, KK and Duke. Alex Ovechkin currently sits at 822 career goals with 42 goals scored last season. I know the Capitals are not the team they were, say, five years ago, but give us your prediction on Ovi's goal count for 23-24. All right, I'm going to go first, Duke, and then you can chime in. He's going to score five empty net goals. Okay, he'll score 20 power play goals. I'll give him 38 on the season next year. That's pretty close to, I think, where my uh, my model shows him coming out as well, you know, and I do all my deep analytic dives <laughs> and stats, uh, stats. But when I look at the, the, the Capitals' depth chart starting the season, I mean, Nick Backstrom a shell of what we've kind of seen in the past after that hip surgery. And who knows, maybe with a little more rehab here over the summer, he can come back looking more like the Nick Backstrom that we've kind of 
come to come to know and love over the course of his career, the running mate for Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of Ovechkin's success can hinge on that. I mean, he's had success playing with other centermen, um, whether it be Evgeny Kuznetsov, if Dylan Strom gets elevated in the lineup. There's still a lot of good offensive players on Washington's team, and because they promised him that as long as he's there, they're going to be competitive. Yeah. They're not mailing it in. They're keep continuing to reload, try again. John Carlson hopefully back at full health uh, on the back end too. So all those things rolled into it. I think the Caps are going to be competitive and a lot of it's going to run through Ovechkin as it always does. So I will, um, you know, I will just for the sake of a, a different answer, I'll say 40 on the dot. Oh, 40. Okay. Uh, Ovi's 38 years old. He's got three more years left on his contract. Obviously he doesn't have to play them all. Uh, 894 for Wayne Gretzky and 822 for Alex Ovechkin. If you look at that Capitals roster and you kind of touched on a little bit, um, 38 for Ovi, Backstrom's 35, Kuznetsov 31, Oshie's 36. That's a lot of miles on a lot of those guys uh, for sure. Then uh, the most, one of the most befuddling contracts, Tom Wilson <laughs> signed a 27-year contract <laughs> to stay in Washington. Yeah, you know, he does offer a, a lot of good things on the ice, but man, that's a, that's a crazy deal for sure. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, top of the hour, it'll uh, be our co-host on Thursdays, Ladislav Schmid, and that 8 o'clock hour just rocks on Thursday with Laddie, Mark Spector, Frank Cerevelli. Uh, we'll uh, check in with some Oiler comments from last night and the 2-1 victory over Vancouver in overtime. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. There's our daily dose of BA, courtesy the Duke of Delburn, Brian Adams. 742 in Edmonton, 6 degrees Maybe 7 right now, pushing up to 7, a uh, high of 17. Not exactly the balmy temps that we've had in the last uh, week or so. Fall is here and October's right around the corner. It's, uh, I mean, Thanksgiving's next week. Holy smokes, uh, where did September go? Uh, Oilers with a big 2-1 victory in overtime last night. Connor McDavid, uh, the game winner uh, in overtime against Vancouver. Beautiful uh, goal off the feet of uh, Evan Bouchard. Stuart Skinner had a very solid game, uh, making 21 saves. The goal that he uh, allowed was a power play goal. It wasn't his fault, obviously. Went off of uh, Bouchard and in a shot from Quinn Phillip, uh, <laughs> Quinn Hughes. See, yeah, you know what? I, that guy that texted in yesterday, I was just about to say Quinn Phillips, wasn't I? Quinn, uh, Quinn Hughes. But, uh, you know, someone sent me a text and, you know, you weren't even rude. I don't know. That guy was all over me, though on the text line and then I don't know I kind of snapped on him so I apologize to whoever that guy was he didn't put his name on the text but sorry for snapping on you yesterday about Quinn Phillips and whatever so uh, anyway uh, Stuart Skinner at 21 saves the Quinn Hughes the only goal scorer shot on the power play that went in off of uh, uh, Oilers defenseman uh, Evan Bouchard but Skinner had to make a couple of decent saves one in the second period on um, Andre Kuzmenko couple in the third period off of Teddy Bluger and here's what Skinner had to say following last night's victory how do you evaluate first game back in quite a while for you uh for myself personally uh not bad pretty good I felt pretty good it took a little while for the game to kind of get going. You know, obviously I had three shots in 30 minutes, something like that. So it t- took me a little while. But after uh, after the, I mean, they were roaming around. They were just making good plays, just weren't getting some shots off. But after they were getting some shots, I started to get the feel for the puck. It got a lot better. Is that something that, it's not like you'd ask your guys, hey, let them have some shots. But yeah. it's kind of a fine line where you're like, I'd like to see some the puck <laughs> a little bit just to get in rhythm. Yeah, I mean... 
if I, I mean the team's got a I mean they, they played really good in front of me and that's that's a product of me getting three shots so it's a huge props to those guys and my job no matter what if I get zero shots until the last two minutes of the game my job's to stop the puck so uh, it's my job to make my, make sure that I'm still warm still ready and still uh, focused up so uh, they did their job tonight and uh, it's, whenever it's time for me to do my job I'll, I'll be there how many games um, kind of would you like to play or you feel would be appropriate for you to prepare for the season? Um, I think I think probably three. Uh, I think three is good. I know we're doing full 60s, so um, it'll be nice just to, you know, get into the rhythm of, of games. Um, you know, normally in the past we'll do half a game or one period. It's nice to kind of get the full 60 right under the belt. Uh, it's nice to do it tonight, being able to feel the PKs and being able to feel the heart going a, a couple times and get the cardio up, so it's nice. Is the full 60 thing, did he talk to you guys, say, what do you want to do, or did he come to you and say, that's how we're doing it this year? Um, it was just a conversation between everybody. Um, we are kind of just talking about what's going to be best for us uh, as a group and uh, kind of came up with that solution. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to test it out this preseason, and it'll, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be nice for us. Last year you talked about how you know, not having a lot of pucks, you, you know, it was a work on your focus, and you wanted to improve there. How did you, how did you feel? Did you notice a difference? Were you able to keep yourself in the game despite not getting a lot of rubber? Yeah, I mean, every day is different. Um, today there wasn't a ton of distractions going through my mind, which was nice, but... Uh, changes every single day tomorrow there might be a million distractions going on in my mind so it's uh it really depends on the day but again that's kind of what i've been working on is making sure that i'm being able to stay focused and do the things that i need to do to be successful that's oilers goaltender Stuart skinner 21 saves uh last night thanks to jason greger for uh shipping us uh, off that audio from last night's uh, post-game comments we'll hear from uh, the coach jay woodcroft in a couple of minutes but uh, i mean it's a little different and you know you you could hear it in Stewart's voice because it seems the old school method was always to play you know a goalie for 30 minutes or whatever figure it out halfway point to give him a yank and put the other guy in just to see both guys but uh, I think this is a new age new wave of thinking uh, we saw Cal Pickard play uh, the entire game in uh Winnipeg on uh, Monday night. So the Oilers go to Calgary on Friday and uh, then they'll come back and then they've got a little two-gamer out west to Saturday in Vancouver, then Monday in Seattle. Now, that's going to be an overnighter. Uh, so I would imagine it's just a kind of a time where you can you know, get together as a team a little bit early in the season, uh, just the way the schedule works. But that's a kind of a, uh, a neat area to, of the schedule to kind of take advantage of. Uh, Duke, do you have uh, uh, Woody ready to roll? Yeah, we got a few different comments from uh, Coach Woodcroft with some questions about uh, varying things. Uh, starting off with, we'll hear uh, some questions about the amount of penalties we took. You'd mm-hmm. mentioned that. There were a lot of them in the game, and we'll kind of see uh, Coach Woodcroft's thoughts on uh, that situation. Is, is six minors something that irks you a little bit, or it's preseason and these things happen, and, and you don't... Because, I mean, penalties were something in the playoffs last year that you wanted to address, and now... Just like I said in the previous answer, you know, I don't think taking a lot of penalties is something we want to do so something has to get cleaned up you know I think after after two periods we were in the box for about nine minutes which is about a quarter of the game and uh, at that up to that point and for us uh, we're doing lots of real good five on five defensively we got to work on our penalty kill which is a good thing but you know obviously you don't want to 
be taking six penalties a game. It's not a recipe for sustained success. It it isn't. And the penalties were they were kind of. Uh, they were five alarmers, uh, like the Leon Dreisaitl slash into the back of the legs of uh, Nils Amon was that was a real crack uh, right in the slot, uh, kind of on the back check. Uh, Darnell Nurse had that. Uh, it, that could have been called uh, one of three ways. <laughs> it was uh, boarding, checking from behind, uh, interference uh, in the second. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had. Uh, well, kind of a little weak uh, hook call, but uh, there were other calls going the other way too. I mean, not saying it was a poorly officiated game. I think it's just an early preseason game where players are still trying to find their groove, trying to find their timing, trying to find a way to kind of generate something, and that's what you're going to see moving forward, Duke. Yeah, I mean, it's like like Coach Woodcroft said, you – you can't take that many penalties in a game and expect to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is silver linings always. And, and with a, a couple younger defensemen that you're trying to get a bit of a longer look at yeah. for organizational depth, um, it, whether it be playing in those situations or how they respond to them, there's always a pause. It's it's preseason. No yeah. matter whether it's a 10 nothing loss, uh, if you're the Vancouver Canucks uh, earlier this week or taking too many penalties mm-hmm. in a game, you can't put too much stock into anything. It's You just got to take the positives where they're there. Uh, sorry, I thought you had another one queued up. Uh, my apologies. No, but. that's I do. Uh, okay. I do have it ready to go now with uh, Coach Woodcroft talking about the um, the, the defensive attention to detail. You heard Stuart Skinner mention, uh, you know, obviously not taking mm-hmm. very many shots uh, early in that game and having to stay focused. So uh, this was Woodcroft about um, the team's uh, out, um, outlook on that new defensive structure. Yeah, and in the first exhibition game as well, I think I think it's a positive sign because that is where the majority of our focus through training camp has been has been on the defensive side of things, and we're seeing some positive results. But it's three games into the exhibition season. But in just terms of systematic five-on-five five play, lots of positives, lots of things to build on, and as we you know continue to work our way through an eight-game preseason schedule we're going to add more layers um, and start concentrating on some things on the offensive side as well that's Oilers head coach uh, Jay Woodcroft and um, the one thing that he did mention yes uh, you know the penalties earlier uh, attention to detail and stuff but you remember when there were no games on TV or televised or streaming uh, in the preseason and every play wasn't dissected by every second, by every fan, uh, it's changed. And, I mean, a lot of times not for the better because, again, the preseason, as we mentioned, it's too long. It's uh, it, it, it grinds out. It stretches out. Players just want to get going. I, I think five games is probably lots. Um, I don't know if that will ever happen. Um, but, I mean, you can just hear it in the players' voices last night and in Jay's. It's the third game, you know, just Chikai, Chikai, it's a process. He's saying we're adding layers, we're adding layers. Ryan Nugent Hopkins says there's a, a process to polish uh, things uh, to get your game to where you want it to go. Uh, text line's open, one 401 If you have a comment about last night's Oilers game, uh, send it to us. We've got one coming in from Jordo, and I appreciate that one. I'm not going to get to it yet. Uh, but, Duke, you've got one more uh, comment from Coach Woodcroft. Yeah, this one, uh, our own Jason Gregory asked him a little bit about some of those uh, depth defensemen who realistically aren't going to probably, you know, see NHL time, uh, but sparingly this year. Um, and then uh, Woodcroft kind of responding about what he saw from guys like Phil Kemp and uh, among others. Okay. Jay, your, your blue line's 
kind of set. You kind of know not necessarily who's playing with who, but you never know when injuries occur and you need some depth in your organization. Uh, Nima Linen and Gleason played tonight. D very different style of players, but can you give me your assessment of them and, and maybe a little bit more on Gleason and what you've seen in his two games. Phil Kemp also played tonight in the unusual suspect category of guys that maybe all the fans don't know a lot about. And so I'll go, I'll start with Phil. Phil's a heart and soul player that's been in our organization, great leader in the American League. Um, I think, you know, I saw him break up numerous rushes today, willing to be in a shooting lane. I thought he had a good game. I thought uh, Nima Linen tried to be physical and, and ratcheted up the, the physical play in the game. He was also in the shooting lane and and um, he closes fast and is long. And then for Gleason, I thought it was a better game than in game number one uh, for him. I saw what uh, has allowed him to play in four NHL games in his first year in Dallas. Uh, he's somebody that has good vision, can make a play with the puck, get his shot through from the blue line. That's what I saw tonight. Uh, goalies are going full six. Uh, that is uh, Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft on the depth of the Oilers defense and the organization. Phil Kemp is um, dependable, that's uh, to say the least. Uh, played the second most games uh, last year, I believe, in, in uh, Baco. And he's a guy, as we mentioned, uh, off the top of the show, along with Marcus Niemelainen and Ben Gleason that will provide organizational depth. We said that right off at 7 o'clock. These guys, you're going to need them down the road sometime. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to go into a little bit of a funk. Um, how often are we going to see seven defensemen? Uh, the organization needs, every team needs to go down deep eight, nine D-man. So you need these guys to be ready. And, I mean, he's not a young guy anymore. I think he's coming up 24 years old. Uh, a draft pick from uh, 2017, I believe. Yeah, round 7, 208, 2017. So he's been around a, a while in the organization, Phil Kemp has. But uh, uh, between those three, uh, Nima Linen and and, uh, and Ben Gleason, those three played uh, very well for sure last night. All right, uh, when we come back at the top of the hour... We will check in with Sportsnet's Mark Spector on the mark, powered by Booster Juice. And then we'll have Frank Saravelli from the Daily Faceoff show to follow at 820. And, of course, this is all tied in, a neat little package with our co-host every Thursday, Ladislav Schmid, former oiler, former flame. That's coming up at the top of the hour. First up, though, this sports 1440 update is brought to you by First Round. Wear an NFL jersey tonight to the West Edmonton Mall location, right here in the mall that has it all, and you can get 50% off wings. Here is the Duke of Delburn. 